Two Broke Watch Knobs podcast is an online discussion dedicated to urology and the in-depth coverage, review, and assessment of high-quality, affordable timepieces. There may be instances of strong language, and this podcast is intended for a mature audience. Sit back and enjoy. Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Book Watch Knobs. You have made it to episode 49. What's up, dude? Are you sure you like starting every time? I always feel like you have the harder part. It's the only thing I look forward to. It's the only certainty I have in the day. I'm never going to know what the morning is going to bring, but I know when we record, I just have to say those five or six words. Okay. And not screw up what episode number we're on. But I'm so, okay. So, as okay. So, Watch Family, you know we're getting close to our one year anniversary. Should I keep counting the episodes? Because it's starting to feel like, what am I supposed to do? It's like, oh, two book watch now. Did you reach episode 1,454? Like, I'm going to sound like an asshole <laughs> if I keep counting. Like, I don't know what to do. That's really, that's what I'm really worried about. I think some podcasts do it. I think some podcasts yeah. still, still say the Jeez. episode. Um, Anyone out there who listens to podcasts, because I don't listen to podcasts. I barely even listen to our podcast, and I'm in it. If anyone out there who <laughs> listens to podcasts, like, do they do they count the episodes like that into like those high numbers? Like, I'd be super interested to know. But, but yeah, no, everything is everything is going pretty well here. How's it going on your end? Pretty good. Um, <clears throat> it's cooling down, so I like that. It's uh, it's raining again, so um, that's what's going on here. So my really, understanding really is really that busy. you're you're so in Seattle now that it's raining again. It will be raining forever. That's how it works over there, right? Yeah, come come like October, um, you won't see the sun <laughs> until like spring. So, but that's cool. It's not it's not too bad. Uh, I have watches, so that keeps me warm when I feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> not, not not the love and care of your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's the watches. The watches will be there for us in the night. The watches will light the way for us in the darkness, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I take I take a flashlight and I shine them. I shine it over my watch box and I just stare. <laughs> and and that's and that's what helps me with my seasonal depression. Seasonal seasonal affected depression disorder or sad, whatever it's called, the vitamin D uh deficiency. That's yeah, too that's, funny. That's what it is. So I, 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 there's a lot on the docket. There's a lot I want to talk about today. A lot of really, really cool stuff. As I mentioned before in the beginning of the episode, we're getting close to our one-year anniversary. 52 episodes, one episode a week. But still bonkers to me because I have this show is more. This show is more is the most consistent thing in my life to the point where I think it's more consistent than my bowel movements. You know what I'm saying? Like, like literally every week the show happens. I cannot definitively say every day a bowel movement happens, and I don't know if that means I should go back to the doctor. Michael, does that mean you should go back to the doctor? What? <laughs> it's, yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. It's been a while. I haven't been. To, I haven't been to a doctor in a very, very long time. So I also don't have health insurance. So I mean, those things kind of go hand in hand. You know what I mean? But we have a lot. There's a lot I want to mention on the show. Um, first two things. So huge, huge shout outs. <clears throat> God damn it! Sorry, I'm trying to clean my glasses and read, and I can't see without my glasses. Huge shout out to, so, um, 
people all the time, they ask us and they send us stuff like to contribute to the website. And the answer before you guys even think about asking is yes. Like we're super open to that stuff. We love contributing stuff that you guys kind of send our way because we want not just the podcast and the comments, but also the website to really just feel like the voice voice for the entire watch family. So huge shout out to um, Fred Nicholas, who has contributed to us before. Uh, for people who might recall, he contributed a really, really funny story about his journey in finding an SKX. Um, it's a really funny tidbit. Like he tried going into the actual like like New York City uh, Sega boutique to look for an SKX, mm-hmm. which I don't think yeah. they're gonna. <laughs> I don't think they, I don't think they would have carried that anyway. <clears throat> so he contributed another story, and it's basically it's um it's like a watch service horror story, and it's it's pretty damn funny. It's sh- it's it's short, it's sweet, it really um it made my day because I was having a really crummy day, and I read it, and it cheered me up because it's just it's just pretty damn hilarious. Um. Michael, you're gonna have to help me with this because basically, so he bought, he buys this watch, and he has his service, and it basically just goes awry. And I don't know how to say the name of the brand. It's like Boucher Air, Bouch, Char- Charcuterie. I think it's I think it's Charcuterie. Um, I I don't I don't know. I haven't had the chance to look. <laughs> B u c h e r e r Boucher Air. Yeah, no, I've I've never I've never seen that brand before. I've never heard of that brand before, so it's um it's a lot of fun. Check it out. Second shout out to Alex Van Slyke, Alex Van Slyke, which might be his James Bond villain name. I'm not entirely sure. It's a cool name. It is a very cool name, and he it, it might actually be a James Bond villain name because the story he writes takes place on a remote island in like tropical weather. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying. All right. But uh, uh, Alex was super, super kind. So everyone knows him on Instagram. He wrote a really, really fun kind of just assessment of his time with the Halio Seaforth in Honduras. So it's in tropical weather. He had it in the ocean. He had it in pretty kind of rough conditions. <clears throat> he wasn't boxing bears or anything like that. But he had it in like, you know, a regular daily routine, which would be more rough and rugged than, you know, the, the normal desk diving life kind of situation that someone was in. <clears throat> God damn it. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Jesus Christ. Sorry. So um, we're a really, really great assessment, really, really great review on it. So huge shout out to both Fred and Alex for contributing those things. Guys, definitely keep that stuff coming. If you have any ideas, if you want to write something, but you don't want to, you don't know what you want to write, reach out um, and we can kind of help figure out what would make sense. So go to the site, check them out. Really a lot of fun. Uh, you have anything? I went on a watch adventure today. You went on a watch adventure today. You went on a very, an extremely enlightening watch adventure because you interacted with two watches. One I did not really know existed and one that I knew existed and I really want to see in person. But now <laughs> I don't. But now I don't know if I want to. So to, to, to tell the nice people at home about your mini watch adventure because you were going out to buy like cassavas or something and you want, I don't know what you, you told me you wanted to buy food. Yes. And then you went and actually just went to look at watches. So I assume the money that was for food was spent on watches. Not those watches. And I saw more than <laughs> and I saw more than just more than just two watches. Um, oh, okay, okay. It's just two that I know about. But yeah, no. Tell 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 the nice people at home what you did. Before we do that, should we kind of <clears> let them know what this episode is about? This episode <laughs> is about cassavas. This is two book cassava snobs. Um, Michael, I have a confession. I don't know what a cassava is. Is it like a mango? What's it? Do you know what a cassava is? I don't know what a cassava is. Oh, fucking Christ. <laughs> Are we totally clueless today? I don't. Isn't, no, I'm thinking of yucca. Yucca and cassava can't be the same thing. 
I'm not like I'm not like an ornithologist. No, wait. What's an ornithologist? Oh my uh, fucking Christ! I gotta stop saying words. I don't any three syllable word. I don't know. I'm gonna stop saying. I think it's a dish of some kind, but I could. It's be wrong. a dish. Oh fuck me. Okay, that's crazy, man. Yeah. So, um, today's episode, <laughs> the main topic of the day. Uh, so we're gonna get through all of these housekeeping items, really fun stories. But the main topic we're gonna focus on today is the idea of, like, how would you really define like what actually makes a micro brand an independent brand, like a boutique brand quote-unquote a big brand because i think these are kind of terms that we throw around all the time but when you sit and really think about it what are the actual criteria are there criteria is it just a marketing thing like i because in my opinion in the past year because i'm just thinking about this past year a lot and that's not just because i'm i battle crippling depression but because we're getting close to the one year mark and i just thinking about it, in one year like how much has my perspective has changed? I think my perspective has changed the most in regards to the idea of the micro brand, the independent watch brand. So we're going to have a really fun discussion just about like what those terms actually mean. So that's the main topic of the episode. Did I, did I, did I, did I accurately say that? <clears throat> yeah, because I mean, you hear you hear <clears throat> that term Fuck. thrown around a lot, like independence. Or, yeah. You know, boutique brands and stuff. And I think uh, I think it's worth starting a discussion to just sort of clarify how some brands are perceived how some brands kind of think of <clears throat> themselves right. in the whole watchmaking space um and uh how micro brands have kind of been pivoting um yes in, in yes. terms of what they offer and in what price brackets yeah so um that's coming later yeah, yeah that's coming later show super pumped i want to hear about your watch adventure how how many iwc big pilots did you did buy? I, did I try to buy <laughs> with your with your cassava money with your seventeen dollars and seventy nine cents? How many IWC big pilots did you buy? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Can you bag these all in one bag? <laughs> just one bag, please. Just I just want them all in one bag. I just I don't care how big or small the bag is. Just fucking do what I say, sir. Well, there are actually no. This place <clears throat> didn't carry IWC. Um, womp womp. But I got to play with a few Panerais, and I love. I love Panerai. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. <laughs> it's reoccurring. I know I've made fun of them, but there's something there's something that still just connects with me just about the look of those watches. I don't know what it is. So I'm with you. I'm on the same page as you. They're so they're so easy to make fun of, and I I think yeah. I think it was worse back in like back when they were really pushing like the the Stallone kind of stuff, <laughs> like <laughs> the Stallone connection. Um, they're a little more more subtle now, and mm -hmm. um, I think they're pretty quiet <laughs> in terms of their marketing and uh, and communicating with watch media. But that's something right. else. Um, but uh, yeah, I got to try on a crazy watch that I had only read about previously, and it is the Pam three seventeen Chrono Monopulsante, dude. <laughs> That thing is that thing is nuts. What's it called? Mono pulsante? Yeah, chronograph. It's, mono pulsante. It sounds like an extra in like the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> so, so it's an all it's an all ceramic, uh, forty four wow. millimeter case, um, eight day power reserve, AMP AMPM indication, mono pusher chronograph, GMT. 
It also it's also uh, fitted with um, optimizely A/B testing, and will connect as well to your Jira board. And you can also julienne fries with it. <laughs> and there's a display case back, which is really nice. <laughs> but of course, so you walked into this place and you said, "I'm gonna try that watch on." Or did you just like, do you well, know this watch existed? Well, what I, what I like to do when I go into these, I, I basically walked into a, a big <clears throat> chain jewelry mm-hmm. store that we have here. And if I'm bored, I'll walk in and I'll play dumb. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, this brand, Panerai. What can you tell me about them? And then some very eager um, salesman in the middle of the week. You're such wins. a monster. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of pull the tray out and show me a bunch of stuff. So, yeah, I guess I am a monster. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was a lot of fun because... Um, I got to try on uh, one of my favorites, uh, and I had forgotten how thin it was, but it was the Pam um, 005, which is kind of oh, like yeah. bottom of the barrel, kind of entry-level Panerai. Solid case um, back, right? Solid case back. Retails yep. for for 5000 so, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was cool. But yeah, that, that 317, um, I, was, I was blown away by it. Um, wow the the actuation of the um the mono pusher chronograph is just so smooth and uh that one retails for 21,500 that's a lot of cassavas so, i think <laughs> 21,500 um so who's buying that watch you know i felt i felt like asking them um i'm not sure i'm not sure who kind of walks in uh just on a whim and, and purchases that that Panerai. I mean, I every can see, time see that I, I, happening in Vegas, but I, I had this Seattle. When I used to go into like watch stores, I had this really. So I would I would do something similar. I would not play dumb, but it'd be like, oh, so this is a watch. You know what I mean? Like I would like just to kind of initiate conversation. So we're both we're both monsters. So it's 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 it's, it's fine, Michael. But yeah. um, I my favorite question for like brick and mortar watch stores, watch boutiques, ads, whatever the fuck is um. So what kind of foot traffic do you get? And Every time I've been lied to. I know, I know I'm lied to. You know what I mean? Which is fine. Except one time. One guy didn't lie to me. And I think this guy... I think this guy had to figure it out. I think he had... He had a good grip on where his life was. And he was like, you know what? I'm okay with it. Whatever. Um, <laughs> it was at a torno in an outlet mall here. And I walked in. And the guy was young. Guy was probably in his 20s. You know what I mean? Um, I later learned that he was the store manager... So it was so Torno outlets are weird in that they're not so a Torno outlet will have us will have a different stock than Torno in you know NYC. You know what I'm saying? And over 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 in New York City. Yeah. So this Torno had like I think they had like Oris, they had like a bunch of like G-Shocks, some Hamiltons and things like that, which is sort of like opposite of what you would see a lot of other Tornos having. And the store owner <clears throat> the owner, the the brand the brand the, the store manager he was just wearing a straight up, just like a, um, it was newer. I don't really, I'm not really good on reference numbers or anything like that with Rolex, but it was a, it was a black dial, no date sub. I knew, I, I could tell it was newer and it looked super, super clean. And like, that was his, I, you could just feel like that was his, to like, I, I'm working in a high end watch place watch and I made it watch. You know what I mean? He was super chill. He was super relaxed. He was wearing his suit. And so we're talking and I'm talking to him and I was asking him questions about like the used case because I loved 
when I go into tornadoes or when I used to go into tornadoes when I actually had like in some reason to go outside, I used to love looking at the used uh, pre-owned case because sure. it's it's you never know what's gonna happen in there. You don't you don't know what kind of dice rolls you're gonna get fed when you look into the used cases in there. You know. Mm-hmm. And so we were standing over that, and I asked him like, "Oh, so what kind of foot traffic do you get?" And he's leaning on the case, and he looks at the door, and he goes, "Meh." And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> This guy's got to figure it out. He's working in the he's working in a store that's in the back corner of this outlet mall in this giant tourist city, slinging seven hundred dollar watches. He's got it all figured out. He
chose to walk into a Macy's. I guess this is like a mini watch adventure update we're doing right now. But yeah, um, dude. Oh oh, my God. I, I'm I'm sad I wasn't there. Yeah, I'm sad you weren't here either because <laughs> we, we could have had a good time. But I walked into just for fun. It was across the street, uh, a Macy's. Okay. To check check out their uh, their citizens. Um, and I was so also sweet. I was also looking for another watch, which I'll talk about during the wrist check, which we'll get to soon. I promise. That's um, okay. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I tried on that um, Citizen Satellite Wave watch that you're really into. The CC three zero two zero dash five seven L. Michael tried on. Michael kissed the girl that I liked in high school. Michael <laughs> tried that watch on and sent me a picture of it. Sent me a picture of her tits. It was very disconcerting, but very eye-opening at the same time because it's um, I Quite think it's big. a it, it's a cool. Oh, sorry, what were we gonna say? I I I have to stop interrupting you. What no, 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 it, it's it's quite big. That's all. I, that's all I said. It's a big watch because the thing is, I I we mentioned in the episode we brought up, which was the um 2017 Hurricane Irma special. <clears throat> um, and so the, it's a it's an EcoDrive satellite wave. So it's EcoDrive was powered by the sun and it's satellite wave. So it's a GPS watch, which I'm. I really want to get something that has like either from Casio or I'm not getting a Seiko Astro or or Citizen that has the the, the the satellite kind of GPS capabilities on it. And the thing is, in the show, we said it was 44 millimeters, and I didn't think anything of that because my Sumo is I think about 44 millimeters, and it sits on my wrist just fine. Michael sends me a picture of this photo, and it looks like he he fucking rubber banded Tupperware to his wrist. <laughs> it looks like a giant fucking watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was a little honestly disappointed with with how how much larger it was, and this um this is really important to consider if you're mm -hmm. if you're getting into watches um and you're you know you're perusing like Amazon or you're checking out the watch blogs and stuff like that. It's really really important to um check the watches out in the metal like in the flesh and like, yeah put hell them yeah on. and that's that's why i that's why i'm not shy at all when i walk into places i don't care if they carry just citizen and tiso or if they carry like from rolex to patek like i'm gonna walk in there and if i'm curious about it i'm gonna ask to try it on so mm. for example that watch is 44 millimeters the pam 005 is also 44 millimeters but you know there are different kind of nuances of like behind the way these cases are designed, uh, the Panerai is just so thin. So it sits very, very close to the wrist. Um, wow. And the lugs, um, the lugs pull down quite a bit. So the strap, the strap kind of falls like very straight, uh, like perpendicular to your wrist bone. So it, it just, it hugs the wrist really, really well. And I just think, I think that Citizen uh, just doesn't have the case figured out. 100%. So sad. I'm so happy, but I'm so You should so still sad. try it on. You should still try it on. Maybe it works for you. Who knows? There is but... actually a sake. Uh, I keep I keep doing that. Uh, there is a is <laughs> <laughs> a citizen boutique, which I don't know existed, but there's a citizen boutique in that same outlet mall with the meh Torno guy. So maybe I'll maybe I'll walk in there and see if they have that watch. I don't know because if Macy's had it, because I thought it was like a super old watch, but if it's still in the case at Macy's, maybe it's still in the case over at the Citizen Building too. You know, it's it's probably been sitting there for for five years. It's <laughs> been there since 1979. <laughs> P pinging it, satellite signals. <laughs> pinging satellite signals. It made first contact with Sputnik, unrecorded, <laughs> but it did it. But uh, that's crazy, man. I'm 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 glad you went on a mini watch adventure, and I'm glad you sent me that because the thing is, like, I honestly I was going to wait a few months. 
kind of wait for a special occasion and just buy that watch on Joma Shop or on Amazon or wherever I saw it for the cheapest. And I now know I should probably go and try it on in person because the thing is I saw other pictures and other watch reviews of it and it looked fine. It didn't look crazy, but like that's why that, that's why you got to be careful also with other watch reviews and the watch photos they take. When we do reviews, we try and take every single angle photograph of the watch that I'm physically capable of. You know what I mean? Um, Just to give everyone like an actual like good impression of how the watch, you know, sits and everything like that. And the thing is, at the same time also, and this this has happened, people can reach out to us directly and say, hey, I saw the photos of the watch in the review, blah, 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 but how did it feel, quote unquote, how did it feel, X, Y, Z. We're also super happy to answer that with reviews that we do. I've had to do that for, uh, you know, I think basically every watch I've ever reviewed, someone's asked me and additional questions. So, but you, I mean, you make a good point, man. Going to see it in the metal, hashtag in the metal, it's 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 big. But, I mean, this also harkens back to one of our previous episodes. Every time you walk into a watch-buying situation like that, do so guarded. Don't let them talk you into buying a watch you can't afford. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's a scary, scary pad. Because they're good. They're really, really good at tricking you out of your money that you work very hard for. You know what I'm saying? So so, so try try that protect Nautilus 57 <laughs> 57 12 first before. <laughs> yes. Set the benchmark. <laughs> I don't know what that watch is. I assume it's a nice watch. It's a it's a beautiful Nautilus uh chronograph with a I don't face. know why. Maybe yeah. the maybe the watch family <laughs> can help me here. Every time I think of the protect Philippe Nautilus, I think of fucking Kabuto from Pokemon. I don't know why. <laughs> I have to look at that one. I don't remember. Someone's got to help me out. Or okay. maybe um, or, or maybe Ammonite. Ammonite might have an actual Nautilus shape in it, which is why maybe I think of that goddamn Pokemon every fucking time. I see. Uh, oh, by the way, when we're in Windup, New York, if you guys want to call me out on my master Pokemon professor credentials... I do carry that card with me everywhere. I mentioned this in a previous episode. <laughs> Michael, you've seen it, I think. I, I, I think I pulled it out to you, right? Hashtag yes. no context. Okay. Yes, yeah. I, have, I have seen it. Call me out. I will slap the thing down on a bar in a second. I'm very proud of that card. I worked very, very hard to earn my Master Professor Pokemon membership in like, God, my God, must have easily like must have been 20 years ago. Holy yeah, cow. and and when we're there, you guys should also buy me drinks because I would have just turned thirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, when's your birthday? October twenty fourth. The gift war is on. No, <laughs> don't start the this. The gift we... war is on. What was it, Pam three one seven? What was it? Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> Send me the Joma Shop confirmation email after you buy it for me. <laughs> <laughs> just send it back to me i need it for tax purposes all right gotcha gotcha i'm gonna write it off as a business expense speaking speaking of nautilus um shall we shall we start the wrist check <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude i'm pumped you rocking the you rocking the nautilus again <laughs> i'm i'm rocking a nautilus <laughs> really not a, not a 5712 what are you wearing I'm wearing my Collinsville Nautilus. Oh my god, you're such an asshole. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I literally shat out my black heart. Like, out of just, like, surprise, I'm like, did he? Like, what? What is happening? I gotta move to Seattle. They're just giving out these watches to anyone who walks around, man. 
Oh, is that uh, you earlier? And I saw trying on the Pam three one seven. Here, here, have a Nautilus. Uh, <laughs> thanks. No, no, I saw I saw this one in the box today, and I I was very like, cool. Yeah, that's that's a that's a cool comfy watch. I'm gonna wear that. And, Great watch. Uh, yeah, yeah. I am part. So part of the reason I um. Part of the reason I wore this watch today, and also part of the reason I <clears throat> checked out Macy's, um, I think I I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. Um, my wife and I are kind of in the process of closing on our first home. Um, so I was thinking, like some people do, um, like if you're like on Rolex forums or something, it's like, hey, I bought a house, so I bought a like a Hulk <laughs> Submariner to like <laughs> remember the occasion. I'm like what like all my money's gone <laughs> like so <laughs> and if any money comes in it's just going back to the whatever like closing costs and stuff of like course that. um but you know i i thought to myself like it would be kind of cool to, to get something um modest to to kind of remember uh the home purchase because of course it's, it's kind it's of a big deal first yeah, home it's, it's a it's a big occasion so for a while i was entertaining like G-Shocks, uh, some G-Shocks that I've been looking at that I uh, like, finally pull the trigger on. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got to thinking um, like something with a white dial and um, hmm. something dressier, I think. so. Wow, out of I your wanted, comfort zone. Yeah, definitely not my comfort zone at all. So I, um, you know, I went to that Nomos boutique uh, n- not, too, not too long ago and kind of realize how cautious you have to be when you exceed the 38 millimeter mark mm-hmm. uh, when you're when you're looking at kind of a like a white dial slim dressy watch um so some of the watches that i've been looking at are at 40 millimeters um and so is this nautilus for example so 40 is where i start to get scared with these these types of watches but um you know i put it on today just to kind of double check and it 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 wears really, really nice. Yeah. Um, just the proportions, the proportions of this watch are, are just fabulous. I mean, um, to, to get this in a 40 millimeter, but to wear as small as it does, <clears throat> it's really nice. Um, and we've mentioned this before, but the strap is just super comfy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Frank over at Collinsville watch did a really, really good job with the Nautilus and with kind of most of the watches he puts up, I believe there's a review on the website of the Core 2, which is a really, really cool Miyota automatic-based um, limited run he had done. Um, really, really fun. Uh, the the bracelet on there, I, have, I remember, was really, really cool. We had them made like specifically for those watches, and uh, I was I was really honored to have some hands-on time with it. And the Nautilus, so you have you have the white one. I have a blue one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, really cool. I mean, it's a quartz. Uh, it's a Miyota quartz. It's really, really fun. It's um, I think he still has some on. He has them in like forty millimeter. I think that they, I think he has them smaller in like quote unquote lady sizes. I think they're like a hundred bucks, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less. And he, the thing is, he does sales every now and then. So yeah, it's. A, I think it's it, it's the chicken sandwich watch. I just it's my chicken sandwich watch. I remember now. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so this Nautilus, um, once once again, it's a dressy watch. Uh, mm-hmm. You can just. Like last time I wore it, I was going out to like a like a nice dinner with the in-laws when they were here, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna you know pick this up and and use it for what it was intended for, what we talked about, you know, when you need a quick, no nonsense, yep. nice dressy watch. Um, one of the watches that I've been considering um, purchasing to kind of mark this occasion is what I think is. 
perhaps the most circle jerked watch in the watch enthusiast <laughs> community. And that's the um, the Tissot uh, Viso date or Visa date, whatever you call it. Have you seen that one? That's a, I, I, why is it a circle jerk watch? I think that's a cool watch. It, oh yeah. It's, it's a great watch, but it's like, I feel like it's the, the official like watches subreddit watch, like next to like a Seiko <laughs> five, which is fine, which is fine. It's just, after a while, you're like, okay, guys, like, what is the big deal? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know Macy's carries Tissot, and that's part of the reason I went. I went to check if they had one of those um, that I could try on. Because once again, that's 40 millimeters, white dial, slim dress watch design. You got to be careful or else it looks like you're wearing a fucking, like, pog on your, <laughs> on your wrist. Y'all like pogs? That's a great, it's a great watch for the price. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I don't know if you I don't know if you've um <laughs> I did this like super late last night. I was just on YouTube like on my phone like searching like Tissot Viso date date change like videos. It's okay. really it's really cool when it gets to like like 12 midnight and the date changes. It's like super instant. It's just like bam, like the day and the date like <laughs> immediately. And that is pretty cool and it has like a nice dome to it. So maybe I mean maybe maybe it'll be that watch. I think you can find them for um just like a hair over 300 but you know yeah. who knows so I, this I would is, i would like to try one on first though but it's a swatch group watch right tso yes so yes. it's probably an edit in there yes i think i think it's the 28 36 okay which is like a day date version of the other popular one right but, right right that's pretty yeah. cool man if you were so if you like this um i I'm always wanting to try and see if there's something like that equally as cool that will save you some money. You could check out the Orient Bambino line. If you like the Viso date, one of those true. Bambinos could be super cool as well. Just throwing it out there because there's a, there's a bunch of different iterations. It's a great watch. The new ones are coming out with the new Orient calibers, which are fucking clutch. Hack, manual, wind, automatic, really, really well finished. So just kind of just food for thought, food fighters for thought. You know? that, that is true. That is true. Enough about me. What are you wearing? I am wearing. <clears throat> let me have an asthma attack. <coughs> I don't understand. I don't. I only have asthma, Michael, when I'm trying to like talk about things that matter to me, not when I'm trying to get out of meetings. You know what I mean? <laughs> I am wearing the Vostok Commander Ski Parachute Brown. Uh, yeah, it's a brown dial. Um, paratrooper Brown dial. Uh, this is one of those watches I've mentioned a while back that was gifted to me by a listener. I am wearing it on a Toxic Royals Regimental. Which every time I see the word regimental, I say it in my head with like regimental, like that, like that, like <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tox, to, toxic NATO's regimental the fourth, like like one of those. Like I don't know why. I don't know if that's just me or not. So um, it, it it goes really really well. Um, the I have not given this commander ski this commander ski the uh, paratrooper dial enough wrist time because I have just been in cause along with this watch. I was also gifted the commander ski cadet. I've been wearing that thing like no one's business. I fucking love that Commander Ski Cadet. It is where it is at. That watch is a pleasure to wear. Very, very small, 34 millimeters, large crown, 7 millimeter crown, but it is quite beautiful. And so I'm giving that watch a break and I'm wearing this watch. Uh, so the Commander Ski line, it's, I think it's probably one of the more sort of misunderstood lines in Vostok because when people who are even marginally familiar with watches they've they're aware of Vostok most usually the Vostok amphibian you know um 
But the Vostok Commander Ski is sort of one of those things that kind of like is sort of second guessed or not really understood. So just some just some quick history. The tech so technically, the Vostok Commander Ski existed before the Amphibian. So it was named the first iteration of Commander Skis were named sort of in 1965 uh, when Vostok, the Kistapol factory, got the commission from the government to be the official watch supplier of the USSR Defense Ministry. Um, and the Commander Ski, before it was called the Commander Ski, was really the watch that put Vostok on the map because it was really rugged, it was very reliable, it kept really good time at the time the watch was made. And so the Defense Ministry, the USSR Defense Ministry, saw a lot of potential in that. And so the idea was they made these watches for um, officers. So commander ski just basically means commander. So these were watches for um, commanders. And that was that was the case. That was where it kind of started. Two years later, 1967, is when the Vostok Amphibian came out, specifically for 200-meter um, you know, water resistance, just to have an actual Russian version of you know, whatever the Swiss competition was, the, at the time it would have been the 50 Fathoms or the Submariner, so just a little bit of history. And then something happened where, I don't know why, but this strange kind of kitsch was applied to the Commander Ski because there are different ones. There are different ones for, I, I my understanding is different sort of branches at the time of the Red Army, so like Air Force and like like Navy and like the tank division, you know what I mean? Because everyone needs a tank division or something. I have no idea. Sure. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. And so each one of those different ones had a different color dial. And so the commander ski started just kind of getting associated with the color of their dials. And that's just sort of what happened. And so it just kind of became like, a, oh, you know, you have the the, the ship's wheel com uh, uh, commander ski, which is also the one that Steve Zizow was wearing. The other really popular one is the scuba dude. There is, I have seen scuba dude amphibians. I don't know how those work or if those are real. There is also technically a ship's wheel amphibian. Might be confused now. But the commander skis, there's a tank, there's the paratrooper, which I have, and there is, there's a couple more, there's a couple different colors. And so this weird sort of thing has happened from 1965 when they were really, really recognized and actually used by the army to now where they're just kind of, almost like novelty i don't know so this one that i'm wearing specifically is post ussr so this is uh, most likely after 1992 1991 92 <clears throat> it's really really cool whoever wore this watch i think whoever wore this watch got into a fight with the punisher because <laughs> even even though this thing isn't old this thing is battered like someone wore this it has like consistent wear like like a lot of where the case meets the skin is rubbed off, exposing, like, the original color of the metal, you know what I mean? Before all the polishing. A lot of the A lot of the elements, so um, the person that gifted it to me, he basically said he had to spend a long time buffing the crystal because before it just looked like the glass dead eye of a bloated water corpse, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and, like, you can tell by looking at it, like, yeah, man, he spent a lot of time. And, like, so this whoever wore this watch really, really, really wore this, or they died in it. Um, which is going to happen. That's going to happen when you wear a watch, especially if you buy a Russian watch from like Ukraine or Bulgaria. They got to pick them off someone's corpses, guys. So um, that's what I'm wearing right now. I, I, I love it. It has this bi-directional bezel, um, which I think some people... I don't know what the feeling is in the bi-directional bezel. So as opposed to like, <clears throat> like my Sumo or the Orient Mako or obviously the Submariner, 
it will be a unidirectional click bezel. This bidirectional bezel goes both ways and it doesn't click. It just kind of slides, you know? Yeah. So I know some people are, um, I, 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 I feel like people don't, aren't really aware. But there's still, there's still a certain degree of friction. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, of course. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. This is, you know, we, we've been talking about it for a while. We should actually have a dedicated, um, you know, all about, all about dive watches episode. Um, but you know, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty common in older dive watches, um, hmm. you know, bi-directional bezels. It, it happens. Um, you know, there are even divers out there that are using their dive watches and, you know, the bezel might've broken or they lost the, the spring and stuff. And it just, it moves in both directions. I don't know. I don't know what kind of trauma you're facing on a casual sort of dive where you can knock the bezel out of the way. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not a diver, but I, I guess I can understand, you know, why people get concerned about that. But you, if, you, have, you have to remember, that's not the only thing you're using to track elapsed time, you know, when you're diving in 2017. <laughs> so that's another <laughs> thing. Whole other story. All right, guys, I'm going in the water. Chief, now you know you're just wearing a Speedo and your Oreo Mako. Yeah, yeah, shut up, guys. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go down 200 <laughs> meters. I'm gonna, when I tug on the rope three times, you pull me up. Now, now Chief, you got to understand, I think you should take the entire gear kit. No, 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 no. I know what I'm doing. I got my Speedo. I got my Mako. Get out of my way. All right. 2017. That's what that, 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 that's what's happening. So, yeah, I'm wearing the uh, Vostok Commander Ski Bar uh, uh, Pound. That's happening. Who? Vostok Commander Ski Paratrooper Brown Dial Post USSR. Um, most likely this thing. Definitely after 91, 92. If I had to kind of put a year in it, maybe 99, 2000s. Um, just kind of based off some markers on it. But uh, it's great. 18 millimeters. Have it on the regimental NATO strap. Toxic Royal. And it's uh yeah I I I'm pretty pretty pleased with this watch. Definitely gonna get some more wrist time. I still have to do official new watch alert post on the feed for the Commander Ski Cadet and this Commander Ski Paratrooper dial. Nice. Still have to do those. Um, what else? Let me see here. Ba -ba -ba. Is there any other housekeeping things we should? Oh, so three thousand follower giveaway. Should we talk about that or not yet? Not yet, still. Not but yet. We right. should we should figure it out this coming week. We should get our asses in gear and get the that three, done. The three thousand follower giveaway is coming up. We are good to our word. Every time we make a thousand followers, God help our souls, we will be giving away a watch, and this time is no different. We will be giving away something very special. It's not a Seiko. It's not an Orient. It's not uh, an Urvirk. It's not an MBNF. It's not a TSO. Huh? Right? Right. 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 Not. Yeah, it's not a TSO. It is smaller than 40 millimeters and it will come with extra goodies. Yeah. That aren't bees. No bees. Unless you want bees, guys. Just, fuck, <laughs> just fucked up. It's wrong. Yeah, it might be might be a good time to move to the main topic. Ooh, girl. All right, main topic. I feel like I'm, I feel I feel like I'm forgetting something. You always feel that. Yeah, that's called life. That's what it's called. <laughs> Dying moment. I'll be like, oh, did I get the gas on? Then I die, not knowing the answer. <clears throat> but yeah, so this is something. The main topic is something that's always kind of just been 
interesting to me because my opinion of it has really just kind of evolved because I don't know if it's the nature of the business changing or if it's my perspective that's kind of changing in relation to how my watch collecting is changing. But like the idea of a micro brand, I thought I knew what it was. Now I'm not entirely sure. In addition to the idea of like an independent brand uh, and a big brand. So like, I think the, I think this is an example we've talked about on the show. I was talking to someone on the internet, which I have to stop doing. I think I was on Reddit or something like that. And um, I think I commented on this post they've made of a Christopher Ward. It was one of the really cool, like old logo ones. Not, I don't want to, I don't know people's opinions on the new logo, but um, (laughs) (laughs) it was an old logo, Christopher Ward. Um, It had like the weird paintbrush hour hand and like the, the tridents on it and it was like blue and it was it was it was beautiful i, I really do like the, the way those old um tridents uh christopher tridents look and uh, i made a comment like yeah it's incredible how much quality they're able to get in there how much they're able to do and just the fact that they're a micro brand and the guy was just like whoa 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 they're not a micro brand and i'm like i thought they were a micro brand <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But apparently they're not. I don't know if he told me, Michael, or if you told me, but you can find Christopher Ward's in the Sky Mall magazine, which I assume is the benchmark that every Michael brand wants to make because that that will be, you know, you climbing Everest and becoming a big brand. So as soon as Collegeville Watches uh, makes it into Sky Mall, they will no longer be a Michael brand. Am I, am I correct in, in that assessment or am I just completely out of my mind? I mean, I think it depends on your goals as a as a brand owner. I mean, I'm not sure if if Nick from Orion Watches uh, wants to be in Sky Mall one day. <laughs> if you know, if you do, that that's awesome. If he got the call, I think he would think about it. Yeah, you know I, I mean, I don't I, think he I would go any, for it. I guess any brand owner, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, but is there? So is this the way it goes? Does it move from micro brand to uh, boutique brand to major brand, and what then the the, sorry, yeah. What what is it? What is a boutique brand? Is that what you're going to ask? I don't know. What's a boutique brand? I, don't I know. you know what I'm saying? Is it just is a boot is because I feel like it's the same thing as a superfood. I don't know what a superfood is. Apparently, goji berries are superfood, but in regards to nutritional micro content, blueberries are basically on the same level. But blueberries aren't called a superfood. Strawberries are called, but, but goji berry. You know what I'm saying? I I almost feel like it's a uh, seven guys get into a room and they say, "Hey, let's just call ourselves a boutique brand." Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyone that disagrees just gets shot. You know what I mean? And so they just go forward calling themselves. I don't know what actually makes a boutique brand a boutique brand. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I I have no clue. And then in that sort of hierarchy, where does an independent brand fit in? Because we see this all the time. Um, you know, the latest releases from independent brands, hmm. um, you know, aren't micro brands kind of independent? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they yeah, not but... independent because they take their stuff from different case makers and different movement makers and stuff like that? So, where, Bremont where... is independent. Right? Uh, I don't know if that's what they refer to themselves as. I, they, I, I just always... So we're not... When I hear independent, I assume they're not affiliated with the conglomerates, or they're not with Richemont, they're not with, I don't know, fucking Swatch, they're not in like, um, what's the other one? It's like... LVMH? 
Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I feel like, so when I hear independent, that's what I think. So I feel like Braemont is independent, but they're not a micro brand. But are all micro brands independent? But not independent bands are all micro brands? You know what I'm saying? When I think of independence, I think of like kind of just the nuttiest watchmakers just doing everything that wouldn't necessarily be super popular. So like like think, the Constantine Chaikin we were talking about earlier today. That fucking guy. Exactly. That's 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 a good that's a really good example cuz I think I think he's referred to as an independent in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe maybe independents have more in-house case construction and dial construction and stuff like that than than a micro brand. If you look at a brand like Viani Halter, which is um, some people would say like the uh, the godfather of like independent watch brands, like the designs are very steampunk, very avant-garde. Okay. Um, you know sarpaneva as well you know it's it's really really kooky kind of weird stuff but some independents are also very con- conservative like you look at laurent ferrier as well mm. um so i think i think maybe an independent has a little bit more manufacturing capability than a micro brand maybe interesting that that's i think that's a super super smart distinction actually so an independent brand does not have to rely on outside market or outside manufacturing because a lot of these micro brands they will have to rely on someone else to fulfill a large portion right mm-hmm. of the yeah. manufacturing so i also just want to say in a side note i think it's really important to have this discussion because we talk about all the time on the show about being an educated consumer and i think this is a huge facet of that if you're looking at a brand and they call themselves something and you just say oh that sounds cool and you glance over it no, you got to understand what the hell that means. You know, like 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 if you're looking at a brand, they call themselves a boutique brand. Why are they calling themselves that? What does that mean? You know what I mean? Because if these people are trying to charge, you know, X amount of hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars for a watch, you that's a lot of money. I don't care who you are, you know, unless you're Bill Gates. You know what I mean? So let's go back to the boutique brand. So is a boutique <clears throat> brand a brand mm-hmm. that kind of does everything on their own and you can only buy them at their boutiques? Is that I guess what distinguishes it? Oh, that's so funny. I didn't even think of like the brick and mortar boutique. Because when I hear boutique, I think of something super exclusive, something where you get very personal attention. So my first thought was like something like RGM. You know what I mean? They have these capabilities to do these incredible things, these very, very niche things, very, very niche, like, 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 um, I, I, I don't, I, mean, I guess like, like what, like, like, like trench watches, but like American high luxury trench watches. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I can see what you mean. Looking yeah, at some of you the know, designs. Yeah. so, so it, 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 I would feel like that's a boutique brand because they have the capabilities to do something on a smaller level, but to a very high level of a high, very high degree of like personal attention. So like we talk about this off air boutique hotels, the boutique hotel is like a six room hotel on South Beach, they're a little bit more expensive, but it's you don't get the franchise experience. You get a very personally catered, special experience. So when I hear boutique brand, that's sort of what I think of. But I feel like I feel I, I don't know, but but I don't know if that translates to watches because so so RGM, that fucking Constantine Chaikin motherfucker. Um, <laughs> I think that, they're so cool. I think those Joker watches are so damn cool. I don't know why. 
The clown ones you were talking about earlier? Yeah, dude. I, I have to look at them. Super, super wacky. It, I mean, like like I mentioned, it's like 9,900 for a modified at a 2824 though so <laughs> you you really so, have to like that case and dial construction so 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 people who aren't aware Konstantin Chaikin um he's really weird his brand is really really weird uh, they're based in Moscow technically they're a Russian brand but they're not a Russian legacy brand like Vostok we were mentioning earlier or Raketa or you know Zim or, or, or any any of these other like kind of ones that you've heard of or not of them, sorry um Constantine Chaikin, uh, it's basically started by, I think, just an independent guy. He's just a person. He had this desire to make watches. And so they're really, really well known for doing kind of like visually very interesting things in non-traditional ways. So if he's like, oh, well, I'm going to use, I want to make something look like this. Well, you're supposed to use these methods. No, 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 no. I'm going to do it a complete different way. That's extremely difficult to do. Like, mm -hmm. uh, okay. That's sort of what they're known for. So I feel... And, and, and Michael, I don't think you're the first person to ask me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify them as a Russian brand because saying Russian brand has a lot of kind of prior social and economic associations, especially with the USSR uh, and everything like that. So I, but technically, on paper, they're based in Moscow. The guys, <laughs> the so they're he's, he's he's a Russian guy. So, but they are. I would classify them as the only high luxury. Russian watch brand. That's what they are. I mean, because those watches are fucking expensive. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty expensive. Um, anybody out there that's curious about checking it out, um, look for videos on YouTube of some of those clown watches working. It's so funny because like one eyeball is for the hours and one eyeball is for the minutes, <laughs> and then the the tongue, the tongue is actually a moon phase uh, indicator. <laughs> So throughout the day, you have all these like this infinite kind of possibility in terms of like wacky expressions that this clown watch can make. And I just I thought that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny, actually. But like that's the that's the sort of stuff they do. You know, that's I'm just surprised they were. I was saying this earlier. I'm just surprised they were commissioned by the franchise to make those watches. Constantine Track is not a very well-known name. So I, I didn't answer you in your text message when you mentioned this. Um, so this this most recent watch, I don't think we said this. Uh, was kind of inspired by the recent It film. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, Sorry. So, and there are 27 pieces made for, I guess, the 27-year break that Pennywise takes before he terrorizes kids. Um, like you do. <laughs> but I don't think Mr. King or uh, Warner Brothers knows about this. <laughs> 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 I don't see that's I, what I'm talking about. This guy, the Constantine Chaikin guy, however the fuck you say his name, he's just a dude and he just wants to make watches. And so I guess he just so he just he took it upon himself to, to make a watch to commemorate the new release of it. Yeah, yeah. And and the press release was um there was a funny part of the press release that said a portion of the proceeds uh will go to a charity that benefits sick children. That's all it says. I don't know how, how vague it can get. Um, but in case you were wondering about the $9,900 price tag, I guess some of that goes to kids. Um, yeah, those are the kids that Pennywise kills? <laughs> that's, that's slightly, that, would make, that would make sense. Slightly, slightly morbid, I, I suppose. Um, but that's, uh, I, I would, like I said, I'd consider him an independent. And I think while there is a certain degree of exclusivity, 
to anything from a micro brand to a boutique brand to uh to an independent i think if it's exclusivity that you're looking for and, and rarity i suppose uh, i think the established independent brands kind of win um in that kind of arena Wouldn't what's an established that? what's an established independent brand like an example uh well him or um like i said laurent ferrier is, is oh a, okay is pretty, yeah pretty popular one I'd, I'd consider him independent he was um head of research and development at patek for a while and kind of separated and does these i mean i don't even know if it's like a hundred watches a year that they make wow i mean you can call you can call mbnf an independent as well um and uh you know some independents aren't necessarily super expensive either like there's, um, I never know how to say the brand. I don't know if it's Haybring Two or Haybring Squared. It's like a husband wife team. I have um, no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Oh, I, I, I gotta Google this. <laughs> I'm what was not, it? What, what what's the name? Har, Har, Harbinger Harbinger of Sorrows. What's it called? Haybring H A B R I N G. But then there's like a there's a two up there. So I guess it's like squared for the husband wife team. Um, okay they're they're an independent that kind of they produce watches um modular mm. modular movements um to kind of keep costs down you know we're still talking over ten thousand dollars so but but you know it's not i'm sitting here thinking four hundred dollars like an asshole we're talking about a ten thousand dollar watch yeah so but they make a pretty cool deadbeat seconds um, which is like a dream complication of mine. I just think it's so ironic. <laughs> I'd love, to, I'd love to own something like that one day. You want, a, you want a mechanical that clicks like a quartz? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, it's like the ultimate watch snob troll watch, I guess. It, it's you, it's you coming full circle. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, we all they're... started with quartz watches. We're all gonna end with something that looks like a quartz watch. God damn it! But then, I mean, is is the production of cases and dials like in-house is that what we're using to separate these kind of big bigger players from the micro brands are micro brands just micro brands because they do things independently but they source from exterior case manufacturers and dial manufacturers and crystal manufacturers because i actually don't know i don't know if this constantine guy you know gets his cases from you know the same hong kong factory that somebody else does my understanding is that they do everything okay that's my. I, it could have changed because the last time, the last time this brand came on my radar, I think it was like a year ago. And I, I mean, so certainly not the movement, you know. That's well, obviously, well, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, obviously, not the movement. So it doesn't. It's not a far leap to say, maybe he also just kind of gets the cases or whatever uh, overseas as well. I don't know. That's interesting. But I, in my, the thing is, there is no clear distinction, which is why the conversation needs to happen. Generally, in a broad kind of viewpoint i would say a brand sourcing the majority of its manufacturing overseas on like a small scale would be a micro brand especially here's the big thing also especially if you if you know it's just like one person so that's the big thing with micro brands here in the states and technically obviously in europe because you know you think gavox watches you think michael happy you know what i mean you think hallios yeah. you think you think jason you think raven watches you think steve you know? Yeah. So, so I think that's a very, very large factor as well. But I think, but I think the biggest one is the idea of the, the, the sourcing stuff from 
overseas because that is i don't know i feel like that would be like the dividing line between an independent watch manufacturer and and a micro brand because i don't know if all micro brands constitute themselves as watch manufacturers right they're designing and selling well some some micro brands um some some micro brands will design and just receive the shipment and sell but other mm-hmm. micro brands go as far as to just kind of design and then take the parts and then assemble themselves that's true sell. I know, uh, I know, Hydus Watch over mm-hmm. um, up in uh, up in New York, mm-hmm. I believe he's in Buffalo. He did that with his first line, um, the first few watches that he had uh, uh, had put out. Um, he had gotten so for years he had repaired watches and everything like that. So he had the know how. So he designed these watches, sourced the parts, and put everything together himself. That's that, that, that's a good point, actually. You know what right. I mean? Um, I know a few other brands do that as well, but I think what's interesting is. There are lots of brands who would classify themselves as micro brands, and this is something I try and ask every micro brand owner that comes on the show because it's it's important. Do you is the point of being a micro brand to one day no longer be a micro brand? You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. That that's a, that's a really good question. That's a like, really really good question. Do micro brands want? to be micro brands for, forever or do they want to be the next MBNF or the next Rolay or however you say it? I have no idea. How do you say it? Is it, is it Rolay? It's, it's, it's Rolay, right? I'm pretty sure it's Rolay. Yeah. Pretty sure it's Rolay. You're already here, folks. Fuck them. It's Rolay. Right. I was going to say hashtag Rolay, but that doesn't work in text because it's just hashtag Rolex and now we just look like assholes. You know what I mean? <laughs> So that's something that always interested me because the, the 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 there's a very pragmatic business decision when you start a micro brand, and so you have to when you start a micro brand you're starting a new business and so you have to think in a way, what can I do to preserve this business and the way businesses work, in the world these days it's not so much preserving the business it's growing the business. What can I do to be somewhere different than where I am now, five years down the road? You know what I'm saying? And I feel I feel like in my gut, all micro brands don't want to be micro brands anymore. Or don't want to be micro brands forever. Uh, well, actually, no. 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 I, I, I take that back. I, I, I so. I said it and immediately regretted it, like most things in my life. Um, <laughs> we When we had Michael Happy on the show from Gavox Watches, I think I asked him that exact question. And, exactly. and I think he said he preferred he preferred to be uh, associated as a micro brand because it gave him this this kind of flexible nimbleness to express his own neurology passion in whatever way he wanted. Because when you grow, you have to kind of be beholden to different kinds of checks and balances. But when you're a micro brand and you're just a dude with an imagination and a passion for neurology, you can make whatever you want. Yeah. He's, he's just a guy who has these crazy cool ideas. I mean, look at that. Look at that Aurora. Like, I mean, who's, yeah. who's, who's going to try that at like a huge brand, you know? And, and, Staying small kind of gives him that flexibility to just try things on his own. And I think I think he's also another example. I think he's somebody else that does a lot of the assembly on his own. I could be wrong. Really? Wow. Okay. I did not realize. It's totally possible. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised because those watches are super cool. I still I still have the review units of the Avid Divers. Yeah. Those man. things are super cool. You know? those, those are fun. I still think about that Aurora sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that could be your milestone house purchase watch. How much is that watch? That one's a little bit pricier than I'm thinking. Um, that's I think that's one of one of his more expensive models. I think it's around like eight hundred. 
you know. That's not bad. Okay, so this is another topic. This is another topic, which is why I want to talk about this in the first place. Michael Brand prices, I feel like... Are on the rise. They're on the rise. And there could be <laughs> there could be a couple reasons. There could be a couple reasons. So one of them is just the pragmatic business decision because movement and material cost are going up. Miyota prices are going up. Eta prices, obviously, for years have been going up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so on the back end, obviously, in order to actually have decent margins and to recoup something to sustain your business, you have to charge more for your product. Yeah. You know? Um, so there's that. I understand that's, that's probably, it could be what's happening. The other thing is, <clears throat> like I was mentioning before, when you put a business plan together, you have to have uh, a scheme laid out not scheme in a derogatory sense. A, a, a schema laid out. You gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta scheme and con, guys. No, you have to have a scheme, schema laid out for growth across you know years. And so that is just that the most logical way of doing that is either increasing outreach or increasing prices and or increasing prices. You know. Yeah. So I feel like because when I first started getting into watches, when I first started hearing about micro brands. A $700 micro brand watch was a lot of money, but now that's normal. I feel like that's normal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's happening. The the um, the kind of dried up supply of, of Eta movements is, is definitely a thing. And mm -hmm. then I think as a result, people get super hard for the Miyota 9015. And then I think, you know. The Seiko, SN, uh, or Seiko NH35 yep. is also a great contender, which does not get enough love well, that's, for some that reason. That one's really, really popular now because I think Miyota prices has, have also gone up. So you're, see, you're seeing of more of these um, NH movements coming out. And then I think it's just going to keep going and going and going. Um, I know Christopher Ward, uh, uh, part of the reason they developed their in-house movement was to also supply it to third-party companies. Um Oh, interesting. And then you also have the uh, the fossil movements that I think should the ST STP movements. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think you know. Hopefully, I mean, shouldn't this stuff be alleviating that kind of strain? Only if there's a demand from people buying the watches for those movements. Because what's happening is, even though there's still that stupid precedent where people were, and you're, we're, Michael, we're going to see this happen at wind up this year because I saw it happen last year. People walking in, looking at booths and saying, oh, yeah, this is cool, this is cool. Is it an Edda? Is it an Edda? Edda, Edda? And that people still really want to know there's an Edda in the watch. Yeah, it's a great movement, but dude, you have to understand as an educated consumer, you might be paying three times what you should be paying just because it's a fucking Edda. You know what I'm saying? Well, at the same time, I've been seeing a lot of Kickstarter kind of projects popping up. Okay. Um, lately where I'll see something like an ETA 28, 24, um, and like super early bird pricing at like $300. Wow. You know? And so what the fuck's the excuse? Well, does somebody, did somebody, <laughs> did somebody just have like a box of ETA movements lying around for years and they're like, Oh, I'm going to start a watch brand now. And that, that's why they can charge what they can charge. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, people. I don't know how that People works. are always gonna ask that, though. I think uh, the thing is, until people start asking, un until people stop caring, 
it's always going to be difficult to have these new movements like the one Christopher Ward's making, like the one... Hold on. What's up, sweetie? My cat's here. She really needs to get my attention. <laughs> see a bug? If you see a bug, you kill it. Yeah? Um, until you get people not really being brand movement snobs, you're not going to see other micro-brands being okay with going for an SCP or the Christopher Ward movement. Every time I see fucking the fossil SCP movement, I think of Stone Temple Pilots. You do the same thing? No. <laughs> God damn it. Every time I think of the goddamn SCP movement, SCP-13, SCP-1, whatever the fuck it is, I think of Stone Temple goddamn pilots. Every time. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, so that is, that, that's that's consumers affecting the microbrand market. Because, dude, I would love to see, even though I had a weird experience with the watch that had the STP one, it was their first. It was the first model movement they ever produced. It's they're going to be weird kinks. It's it's going to take a few iterations to figure it out. And I think they've done it. I think there there are a few models in. I know the new Zodiac Super Seawolf Fifty Threes have the new STP One Three movement in there. I think it's supposed to be cool. It's got a you know got I mean? a nice swan neck uh, regulator on it. Beautiful, super super beautiful. I love to, that. was also one of the reasons why I love that Pam One Eleven. With a display case back, you can see that stupid fucking <laughs> swan neck bridge just going across the whole fucking thing. Um, so it's just, it's that's another issue, I feel like. So it's not, so based on the conversation we were saying before, you can't just say, oh, brand owners are mean. Like, no, dude, consumers are affecting it as well. If people keep saying, oh, hey, brand so-and-so, this wash would be great if it was an Etta. That's why you see... You see it happen all the time. A brand, a micro brand releases a watch. It's a Miyota. A few months later, they release it as an Etta. And people are super happy about that because it's an Etta. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's another issue. And I feel like that's an issue that only affects micro brands. I mean... That would never happen to an independent brand. I don't, I don't, I don't think that way about my, my Raven, for example. I, I kind of like that it has that 9015 and... I don't think I've ever had the watch. Because you're a good person, Michael. It's different. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had the watch and said to myself, hmm, I think I would enjoy this much more if it had a if it had an Etta, you know? But some people do. <laughs> some people do, man. You know? I, I don't give a piss, but some people really, really care. I know what's gonna happen. You're gonna you're gonna cause you're gonna cause the supply to the supply of those uh two four movements to dry up and you're gonna you're gonna ruin everything too. What the the Vostok two four zero nine? You know what's funny? So uh, uh, for people who don't know who are just tuning in, the Vasa 2409 is the movement that I'm using in my um, in my little... It's a weird... I, I don't want to call it a micro brand or a... Or a, or a br I don't even want to call it a brand. It's just, you know, it's, it's the idea of making 3D printed bespoke watches for people who want to get in on the project. So I'm working one-on-one. -on -one. So far... With the dog, your dog is uh, is one of the people that signed up. So there are twenty five people, I think. I have to look at my list. Twenty five people have signed up, and basically, I'm collaborating with each and every single one of them to make a personally designed MTP one for them. So huge thank you to everyone that signed up. Really, really been awesome so far. I've already gotten a few renders out there and had some really, really great feedback. It's it's just it's been it's been incredible. So. The movement that I'm using um, in most of them, except one, is the Vostok 2409. The Vostok 2409 is a super cool manual line, 17 joule movement that was designed in the late 70s in the Kistapol watch factory. So like, um, sort of in the heydays of, of Vostok making watches for the USSR Defense Ministry. It is a super, you wanna talk about like, oh, our new Etta blah 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 is a workhorse. No, 
this watch has been doing watch stuff since the 70s, dude. All right? That's a fucking workhorse. And they're still making them. They're still making the movements on the same machines. And so I contacted the official retailer for Vostok, Marinom.com. And I said, hey, how's it going? I think the guy's name is Dimitri. And I'm like, hey, how's it going, dude? Um, I'm doing this watch project. I really, really want to use the Vostok 2409. Can you give me an idea of what your inventory is? And he goes, um, and his English was like, his English is so so, but he's a very kind dude. He's like, oh yeah, it sounds great. Um, I only have six movements on hand, and I'm like, fuck. And then the sec- second sentence was, but whatever you want to order, I can just have the factory make. <laughs> so Michael, there will never be a shortage of two four zero nines because I'll just keep making them. <laughs> well, you, th- you think one day it's gonna get so bad with with Etta and Miyota and STP that you know one day. Old, Dimi- old Dimitri's gonna wake up to like an inbox full of like every microband in the world writing to him uh, all the way up to like I don't know IWC. <laughs> hey, can you get us some movement? I hope so. I because the thing is, they're they're the the the, the two four. The, uh, so originally it was the two two movement line. The two two zero nine is the first Bostock caliber that was in the amphibian. Um, the current iteration is now the two four line, I believe, or it might be two six. We gotta look. But so they're still making. They, there's a there's a version of the two four zero nine that has an automatic rotor. Because I was going to say in rebuttal to your comment of like, oh well, the two four zero nine is never gonna be popular because it's a manual wind. Well, they make an automatic version. Now, I didn't, I didn't say that. So, Who said that? Didn't you say that? I didn't say that. I'm just imagining <laughs> things, man. I guess I'm drinking wine. <laughs> wine. <clears throat> yeah huge huge thank you to everyone that recommended rioja brands did not expect did not expect that many rioja drinkers out there <laughs> just saying but um i don't know i think well, the thing is i that, that's a good point not everyone knows i think not everyone knows that vostok makes movements that you can just buy i mean for really really good prices like i am not paying out of prices for my 2409s <laughs> besides that's Besides the movement, do you think that some micro brands are um, are increasing prices just to sort of create the illusion of quality or higher quality? Of course, that's that 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 that's 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 consumer psychology. You think something is of much higher quality or is of much better kind of uh, 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 is seen better by the public because you paid more for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I paid five thousand dollars more for my Kia than your Hyundai, I'm pretty sure my Kia is way cooler than yours. Like, no, dude, this is fucking it's the same shit. <laughs> you just you just, you just pay five thousand dollars because you're really shitty at negotiating. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's 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 it's. I feel like well, it's two things. I feel like some brands could be increasing prices just to have consumers feel like there's a perceived value, but at the same time, there are some what I would consider micro brands. Who are going the extra mile to do something pretty cool? And I think Dietrich is a good example. They they have the, they have their own like fucking custom crystals made, right? Yeah, those those watches are getting pretty nuts. Um, yeah, dude, he's coming out. He's yeah, coming for, out with a new one. I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's ready to be unveiled yet. But he's he's got mm. something pretty wild uh, in the works, almost along the lines of that uh, weird melted clock looking one that. That you, I you know. loved that was one of my f- like weird. So I love Dietrich. I love um, watch brands that will do something different 
not just for the sake of being different, but something different and really just just beautiful. And so um, I think it was the Dietrich perception they were on, they they kind of displayed at Basel. Mm-hmm. The the watch is incredibly beautiful. There's a there, there'll, there'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, you guys gotta check it out. It looks like someone. Um, so when you're designing something, the big challenge is always figuring out how to do something organically. And so this watch, I have no other way of describing it. It looks like someone cracked and fried an egg. It has the shape profile of a fried egg, which is, which is, and if you think about it, an extremely organic thing to do, because it's just you cracking an egg and wherever it falls, it's how it cooks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that like an accurate assessment of how the watch looks? It, I, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And he does, he does some cool stuff with like the shape of those crystals. Um, mm-hmm. You know, brands like Hublot will often kind of say like, oh, it was so difficult to do this with the Sapphire crystal because it has this many angles and this many angles. I'm like, well, you know, like I'm seeing like <laughs> you're not the only one doing weird stuff with sapphire. I mean, obviously they no. they've made entire and like it, big bangs out of out of sapphire. That's totally different, but you know, the the Dietrich the, the, some pretty cool stuff there. And and not insane um insane Constantine Chiken prices. <laughs> no, they're right. The thing is and the thing is he's very transparent about the fact that I, I think he says they're made in Asia. They're designed and manufactured or they're they're designed by him but they're manufactured in Asia. Yeah. Which is awesome. That like that that that's all that that level of transparency is also something you really only ever see. I think that's another great micro brand distinction. Certain micro brands. Um Michael Happy was very, very uh transparent about his design process, where parts are made, where he's always looking for new manufacturers and things like that. I mean he it was great to have him on the show because I loved Gavox watches before, but now I really like Gavox watches. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So are you are you a micro brand, a boutique brand, or an independent Kaz? What Rivka? Rivka watches? Yes. I can't articulate it. It's I don't because it, it doesn't. I don't know because it's not a micro brand. So by so following the criteria, criterion, criteria that we have set out in the show, it is not a micro brand because I'm making everything myself. Except the movement. Sorry, guys. As soon as I can make a movement. <laughs> as soon as I can 3D print a movement that's not the size of a bog container with a 30-minute power reserve, I will let you guys know what's up. Um, but And then you can charge MBNF prices. No. That's the thing. That's the thing. Also, that's why I love the Rivka Watch Project. So right now, the early adopter pre-order price, so just a shout-out. Also, let everyone know, I'm going to be... I think I'm going to be capping the number of early adopter pre-orders I take on because... I need to keep things logistically possible and keep everything in a reasonable time frame for the people I'm working with because custom designing a watch for each specific person uh, takes a lot more time than I realized. Um, so this is a huge shout out to Chad Wright on Instagram. He does these really cool daily 60 second segments where he kind of speaks to business owners as a business owner. And I was watching one recently that really articulated well what was happening in my brain in that you know he says that people who start businesses, people who are good at like that stuff, people who want to be entrepreneurs, they're really don't understand how long things take. And I'm like, yep, I have no idea how long long things take. I just have no idea, you know what I mean? (laughs) So right now there's 25 people signed on. I might just cap it now. I might cap it at 30, I don't know, but I will be doing something else super, super cool for people who still wanna get in on the Rivka Watch Project. It's not gonna be the same thing as the early adopter pre-order price people were, were doing custom, super custom, like just watches for them. Um, it'll be something super, super cool as well, but um, but I don't... So, following the criteria we talked about earlier, it doesn't feel like a micro brand. Is it a boutique brand? 
I don't know. Limited. That feels weird. Limited. To say also. Limited numbers. Um, in-house. Yeah. In-house production. Uh, material innovation. Sounds sounds like sounds like you're the next MBNF man. And we. I don't want to be the next. MBNF. We're, we're gonna catch you at Basel World uh, 2018. You'll be catching. You'll you'll catch me there sweeping the floors. <laughs> Y'all look for me in my goddamn janitor outfit, sweeping up Rolexes that fall on the ground to pay my student loans. That's that's the Basel dream, guys. All right. All, all you have with to do, those... all you have to do, is uh, start with like an apply to buy process, and that'll just make you super exclusive <laughs> and cool. <laughs> I have to, I have to vet and approve everyone first before you can buy. Before you can buy. But no, the early adopter price right now is $234. So that was the other thing also. I'm very transparent about the pricing. Um, the pricing has very personal significance. I didn't choose the price because it was the best thing I could do for my profit margins. It is not. I'm super clear on that. I didn't choose it based off of like material cost and labor. I definitely didn't do that. I'm very transparent with the fact that I am undercutting my labor. Um, I chose 234 because it has personal significance in regards to my fiance and like uh, dates that are very uh, uh, special to us, and and you know the brand is named after her Hebrew name, so there's a so there's a religious significance to the number as well. So I don't know. I don't like thinking of it in terms of what type of brand it is because that takes away from what I'm trying to do, watch by watch. You know what I'm saying, dude? Of course, yeah. So I don't know. I don't like that question. Don't ask my question again. It makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> That's why I asked it. <laughs> Damn, you are evil. <laughs> Next, he'll be asking me about Panerai's. And now, and now the police are coming for me. I was going to say, it does sound like Alex Van Slyke has been trying to like use all of his Bond villain like <laughs> techniques. I heard like a Red Baron airplane going over, a blimp, a squeaky toy. <laughs> I've been hearing all kinds of shit over on your, on your end, man. I think, I think since I'm moving in like a week, we should just record the episode while I'm moving. So I'll do Skype. <laughs> I'll do Skype on my cell phone, and then I'll have a headset <laughs> microphone just... <laughs> hooked up to a portable recorder, and then that's how I'll record my track. It'd just be you lifting boxes. I won't know if you're moving, passing a kidney stone, or if you're constipated. It's going to be perfect, dude. <laughs> passing It'll passing be the... a kidney stone is the same thing as moving. Well, luckily you're not moving far. You're moving. It's it's down the street. You said from where you are right now. It's right? down down the same damn street. It, That's cool. That's not too bad. <laughs> I probably I'll probably use the U-Haul for like three hours and then take it back. Nice. I, I still can't That's believe funny, how man. I can just rent one of those. That thing's a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. All I have to do is walk into a U-Haul with thirty five dollars and fifty cents, <laughs> a valid driver's license, and I you will give me access to a fuel-powered people mower. That is just incredible to me. You know what I mean? Uh, but before... I could I could be anyone. There's no psychological background check. There's no like, so how do you feel about people? Nothing. <laughs> they didn't even make eye contact with you. They just give you the keys and you know, you go with God. Whatever happens, happens. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the U-Haul process needs to be reformed, people. All right? Oh boy. It's incredible. Fucking hell! I think um, I think before we we wrap up, this this can be a fun question. Out of out of all this talk of like independence and some of them being super crazy or boutique brands and and all this stuff, mm -hmm. if if you if the sky was the limit and you can kind of add one to your collection, uh, what would it be? Oh man, 
Honestly? What's that, uh, I think that Jack A. Droz Charming Bird. Oh, dude, that thing is so nuts. <laughs> thing is so fucking cool. If, if, I could, if I could just choose, I would probably choose that watch. Because I think, I think, um, it's such, it's such a harken back to, like, Victorian automatons. Mm -hmm. Where it's just the idea of doing something so technical and on such a crazy eye retina burning miniature scale simply to do something mildly pleasing mm. to have a little bird chirping that is so fucking victorian and like aristocratic it's not even funny <laughs> yeah so i i think the watch is 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 uh very very charming for that purpose because the thing is there's so much that goes into it you don't think about all of the technology and the innovation that went into it all you're hearing is a little bird chirping on the watch but believe it believe it or not jack a Droz falls under the swatch group no, <laughs> I it was independent. Isn't that nuts? Goblins. Isn't isn't that nuts <sighs> though? That that's that's still pretty impressive. To I, that's, I think that's a lot of freedom to experiment, almost as much as an independent would get. So, prop. Wow. Yeah, I did. I did not. Wow. <laughs> Fuck me, man. I think I'd go for that uh, uh, MBNF HM7 Aquapod. Have you seen that one? Oh man! It's, Hold it's on. just it, a jellyfish. That, it's just a jellyfish <laughs> on your wrist. It's so nuts. Let me see. The only MBNFs I know by name are that stupid one where the aliens are having an orgy on it, and the space pirate. Hold on. MB. They're 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 not having an orgy. It's just a bunch of aliens on a stupid watch. Uh, MBNF Aquapod. Yeah. It's Aquapod. it's just a jellyfish on your wrist. It's actually a dive watch. Or they say it's a dive watch. Whoa. This is like, <laughs> it looks like a relic from Atlantis. <laughs> right? It's got like a rotating well, bezel, I think. Or like something that looks like it. That makes it look like Michael, a dive watch. Michael, is that a, is that a tourbillon? I think so, yeah. I, I mean, of course. You, you need a tourbillon looks like in, a, in your looks dive like watch. A, it looks like I need my dive watch to have a rose gold tourbillon. <laughs> dead, dead fucking center in it, guys. All right. Um, this is a this is a cool one. This I could totally see, you know what's funny. I could totally see this fitting in though, with like the general aesthetic of watches you get. Not all the outrageous stuff, but like there are some core elements here which are very dive watch true. That bezel, that's a dive watch bezel. Yeah, straight up. You know what I mean? I'm sure it would look great on a wetsuit over a wetsuit <laughs> on a on a NATO on a toxic NATO. <laughs> if if I ever have the ability. <laughs> I'm going to buy the most ridiculous watch that's technically a dive watch, but like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm going to put on a toxic NATO and I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to just go diving with it. Or I'm going to go like swimming with orcas or just something, just something incredible. You know what I mean? Uh, should we do a recap? No, because I don't know if we've solved the, I don't know if we've solved the energy crisis. I don't know. I just, there's so much more to say. Yes, we have to do the recap. It's, yes, it's, up, I'm sorry. it's up to the listeners at this point. That's, that's the point, guys. So, so let's do recap. Um, this has been a crazy conversation. It's one I would love to bring up more. It's one I love to bring up every time we have a brand owner on. I think I mentioned it with, uh, when, when Nick from Orion Watches was on. No, I mentioned it when Michael was on. It's something I want to keep talking about because it's something that really merits discussion because the, the, the innovation of the micro brand is still so new. Yeah, it's in my opinion, in regards to the entire history of autology, it is still very new. You know, so it's it's 
I'm very, Michael and I are very interested to hear you guys' opinion on what distinguishes a micro brand from an independent brand, from a boutique brand, from a colonoscopy brand, from your grandmother's brand, from all the motherfucking brands. What makes, what makes the difference? You know what I mean? In the same regards to, I don't really understand how a Fuji apple is different from a Granny Smith. My girlfriend does because she's white and from Massachusetts and all she knows about is apples, which is totally cool. I don't know shit about apples. All she knows about is, is apples? Apples. That's it, dude. <laughs> Apple knowledge has gotten her this far. It's incredible. She's she's an outstanding woman, you know. And a, and a and a black belt. And and a black belt. Well, she's got to chop the apples with her with with, with her hand with her, <laughs> with her, with her, her judo chop. She she chops them and she molds wine because, as I mentioned, she's from Massachusetts and it gets cold there. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So just he, I want to hear you guys' opinions on those distinctions in regards to if what we said is sort of on point, if it's not on point, this is one of those things we're going to talk about for a long time. It's one of those things we have to fucking talk about all the time. Uh, but, but in addition to that, check out the website for the Youth Contributed articles from Fred Nicholas uh, for his watch service horror story. It's pretty fucking hilarious. You guys will definitely like it. Also, check out all, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Alex Von Slykes. Uh, man, is that, if I'm saying your name wrong, dude, you got to let me know, man, straight up, because I'm saying like a Bond villain. And I don't, you're not a Bond villain. You're a very kind person. So <laughs> check out, check out Alex Vance Likes' uh, post on our, on the Two Book Washington's website. He wore the Halio Seaforth um, for an extended period of time in Honduras, kind of put it through some more than normal rigorous temperatures and, you know, things like that. So just really fun to see a micro brand watch actually not desk diving. So check it out. It's got a lot of really, really good pictures up there. Really, really pretty watch. Um... Uh, Vostok Commander Skis. Uh, I didn't talk about that, so I'm not going to mention it. Michael's going on watch adventures, and he's going to buy all of his Panerais. Um, I don't think I'm going to buy that Citizen Satellite Wave anymore until I can try it on for myself. Am I missing anything? I think I think the next time I go on a watch adventure, I'm going to get my sandwich before going into the watch <laughs> boutique, and then somehow try to sneak the watch out inside of my sandwich. I think it's the perfect, the perfect crime. <laughs> the perfect crime. The guy's just gonna put the ten thousand dollar price tag back on a roll of like. Well, no, I was gonna say ham, but I mean, what's the what's the, what's in a vegan sandwich typically? Veggies. <laughs> Veg- well, can you put veggies? Because like when I hear veggies, I think of like loose rolling grape tomatoes. You can't put grape tomatoes in a sandwich. Yeah, you do. Unless you veggies, eggplant. You know, sometimes like- eggplant. Yes. So the guy is gonna roll an eggplant, put the price tag on that, and put it back in the Panerai case, and like nothing is wrong. And then that guy's gonna get super fun. I'm just no. So, I'm imagining a whole eggplant with a price tag next to the three seventeen. Someone walks in. Oh, why is that eggplant ten thousand dollars? Well, you see, it features an in-house photosynthesis process, right? <laughs> like, oh, that's fucking. That's fucking incredibly goddamn interesting, motherfucker. <laughs> Look at this shit. Completely, I will buy your eggplant. Completely <laughs> vertical integration with the photosynthesis <laughs> process. <laughs> it is a mono pusher eggplant. You'll see the one step mono pusher at the uh, at the top. This is top of the line. This is not like your typical Macy's eggplant. We're talking we're talking about your guys. All right, okay. <laughs> we're, this is this is hot orology eggplants. Okay, guys. Uh, we're really stretching it thin here. <laughs> Oh man, I just I just want eggplants now. I think I did the egg the eggplants a very funny looking thing. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so I think I think that's good for a recap. 
Um, just in closing, if you've enjoyed to this week's show, if we've made you laugh, guys laugh, if you've made your commutes or your work day slash week any more enjoyable, please consider going and visiting our Patreon page where you'll have the opportunity to kind of read what we want to do to book watch knobs. You'll have the opportunity to uh, donate and support the show if you're interested. Um, definitely, definitely consider it because it is a lot of work doing this. I know, you know, it's just the hour and a half that you guys hear, but a lot kind of goes on behind the scenes to make this happen. Well, at well, for Michael, I just show up and read the script. But Michael, Michael, <laughs> guys, Michael works very hard on the show. I just show up. I just show up and I talk about stuff and then I leave and then I and then that's it. I clock out. I listen you know, to so. I listen to every episode four times. <laughs> so I'm so fucking sorry you have to hear my bullshit. <laughs> four times a week. Four times. Fuck my mouth. That's ridiculous, Michael. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to our Patreon donate now for you. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, definitely consider checking it out. Patreon.com slash two book watch knobs. Really, really cool. Um, we're also going to kind of expand what goes on there. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think right now there's like 30 patrons, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much, but I just wanted to just kind of mention it to, uh, to you guys because people have asked in the past. And I just want to always make sure that if people want to know where that type of stuff is, they're not left wondering. So that's uh, uh, that's the case there. Looking at my list, I think we're good to go. And my fiance is walking in the room right now. So is this a good time to do the sign off? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you start, I'll jump in. Thanks for listening, guys. My name is Mike. And this is Kaz. You've been listening to Two Book Wash Knobs. We're all going to buy everyone Panerize. Later. <laughs>